An exit interview with Governor Bill Lee's communications director. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of December 9th. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Allison. This week on the podcast, we have Chris Walker, who is Governor Bill Lee's communications director and senior advisor. Chris, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having Did me. Did I get your title right? You got the title right. Okay. I'm looking forward to the resolution reading part of the podcast. Yeah, which, which resolution <laughs> so, did you bring? Uh, not, not the Bo Watson one. I'll have to find a find a better one. But uh, no, it was fun. So Chris has been with Billy throughout his campaign for governor, and he recently announced that he is soon going to be stepping away from the governor's office to go back into the private sector. We'll get to that in a little bit, but let's start with uh, how you became Billy's comms guy. So like, how did you even get drafted yeah. to be on the campaign? Yeah. Yeah. So um, 2017, I was a consultant, kind of had my own practice here in Nashville. It was kind of under the radar. didn't didn't really felt, worked on a few projects here or there, but didn't didn't really kind of stand out. And uh, knew that I, I'd worked on several campaigns. I was spent ten years in Washington and had worked on the Romney campaign and several congressional campaigns, and kind of wanted to be a part of the governor's campaign in the last cycle. Uh, had thought about reaching out. I knew Chip Saltzman and had talked about some other campaigns, but uh, several friends had suggested reaching out to Billy. So before I that would have been Randy Boyd's campaign? That would have been Randy's campaign. Okay. But, uh, um, you know, several friends were just, you know, uh, in the business were like, meet Bill Lee before you do anything. And uh, I reached out and, and he and I met and we just clicked. It was uh, um, one of those things where I just, I knew this was a person I wanted to try to help. And I knew that, um, I would be able to help him. Like, you know, there was a place where, um, you know, I was the only person that was going to help him for comms throughout the process, which actually was kind of funny because it ended up really hurting the rest of my business because I spent all my time on the campaign at the expense of pretty much everything else. But uh, we had a good time with it. So, so yeah. uh, the governor wins uh, the nomination and then also uh, becomes the, uh, the was it the 50th governor mm-hmm. of Tennessee. You decide uh, you don't want to stay in the private sector. You want to go in the public sector. Um, take us behind that decision and what's that yeah. been like? Um, it's a great question. I think from my perspective, um, it's kind of a dream when you're in politics to kind of pick the right person and kind of shepherd them along the way and then come to fruition, they, they take office and you kind of want to be a part of that. And so, um, thankfully I, uh, the governor had given me an opportunity to do that and I felt like it was important to help him at least, at least set up and, and get going. Um, and, and it's been wonderful. Um, you know, he's, he's a great man and we've, you know, we've, we were just talking about, can, may you live in interesting times and we've had an interesting first year. Um, you know, a lot of things have happened that I don't think we would have ever anticipated when we were in transition at this time last year, but, uh, it's been fun and, and you get to kind of see the process unfold. You get to build a government, you get to build, um, what we think are, we hope are really good initiatives in the long run for the state. And, and at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You're trying to help people kind of make this place better if you can. And, and the governor really wants to do that. So. And jumping back to before uh, Bill Lee's campaign, you, you were in DC for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I believe you were, you were Fred Thompson's personal driver. I Is was that? His okay. driver, yes. What else did you do in DC? <laughs> How much time do we have? Do we, uh, <laughs> I spent about 10 years up there. I'm older than I look, I'm told, but, uh, um, my first job out of college was in was with Fred Thompson, uh, and I was in the Senate. And I started out as an intern. Two weeks later, I got a staff assistant job, paying 
a very hefty sum of 20000 a year. What and, year is that? Uh, <laughs> oh, Natalie. Shall not let's be not, disclosed. Uh, Do your homework, <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> um, I will say I was his driver on 9-11, so that, oh. uh, that can date you a little bit. But, um, you know, we uh, – it was just a – a lot of people – kind of find themselves in college. I found myself in Washington, actually. Um, you know, I just kind of learned so much about policy and politics and and how things become policy and, and, and actual law. And um, just kind of saw how uh, different organizations and groups can kind of influence, you know, decision makers and, and everything through that. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was the guy that opened the mail in the office for pretty much my whole time there. And uh, kind of had a side gig as his driver when he needed me to. So we'd drive around. Some great stories of driving to the White House and my old Toyota Camry. And it's always a lot of fun. Oh, right. You're using your own car. Oh, my car. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's nice. You know, I had a nice little congressional plate. So, no, it's actually a funny story. Um, You know, uh, Fred had come out from a dinner one time. And, uh, you know, we were sitting out there. And and, uh, he gets in the car and he looks at me and goes, you know, Chris, you're the only non-black Lincoln town car out here. <laughs> I said, well, well, Senator, I guess I need a race. <laughs> and uh, he said, man, I always back myself in that corner with you, don't I? But, uh, so now that you've got one year under the belt in the uh, public sector, what have you, from your perspective, viewed as, as the biggest accomplishments of the governor's administration? Um, I would say in the long term, and I think he'd say this, ESAs I think are going to probably be the biggest long-term accomplishment because at the end of the day, We've got to start figuring out how to help give kids a better education. And um, while it was certainly controversial and certainly um, had its moments of of, uh, front page headlines, I think in the long term, that's going to have the most positive effect for a lot of kids. And um, and that's what we've heard from a lot of states that have done it. Now, you know, again, they're, they're not without controversy, but they also seem to have worked in a lot of places. Um, I don't think we would have done it if we didn't believe in it. And, um, you know, we're still kind of in the 30s. And if there are ways to kind of disrupt the education process in a way to get us into the 20s, into the top half, we're going to do it. Um, so long term, I think that's certainly going to be a big thing. You know, he said a lot, and we said it on the campaign trail. You guys have covered him a lot and know it too. Like vocational education is something that's of key importance to him. I think the Give Act and the 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 focus on how do we really try to focus on trades, I think in the long term we'll do that. When places like Google and Facebook no longer require college degrees for you know coding, that's a technical job now that that needs to be thought through. And so, what kind of education are we giving our kids to make sure that they have that opportunity? So, I think in the long term, education is certainly where we think most of those investments will pay off. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things we're going to be working on and, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot as they come, come ahead. We've got seven more years to go with him. So, you know, seven. Or, oh, well, so he's running for I'm, re-election. Uh, let me, let me, Mar- sorry, Mar- sorry, Mar- sorry, Mar- sorry, Mar- sorry, 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 don't want to be presumptuous. Don't want to be presumptuous. <laughs> Three with an extension okay, for four if okay. we're lucky. <laughs> so uh, Chris being the communications director is someone that us in the Capitol press corps have, we have a lot of interaction with him. Um, we, give him hell a lot of the time and he gives it right back. Likewise. (laughs) Um, And so something that has come up throughout the year is um, some criticism, not just from Democrats at times from Republicans, but certainly from the press corps about how you all have rolled out different initiatives. Mm -hmm. So I know there was a, there was a fight back in the spring about, you know, us finding out how much the Give Act was going to to cost the state and, and certainly back and forth on details of the ESA program and when we were going to find out the latest on that and things like that. Um, do you think there there is any room for improvement on transparency or or 
did you all have any kind of plan for um, how you wanted to withhold some information at first? What is your strategy in that? Yeah, you know, um, transparency is a big bucket. I would say there are, you know, any kind of rollout, I would say, is more of a um, kind of a, an intended policy of, of what we want to, how we want to lay them out. You know, our and, and frankly, it's something that our, our senior team kind of talks about on a regular basis. You know, this was our first year, and it's our first year for a lot of things, right? It's not, it's our first budget. It's our first, uh, you know, policy and it's just the first legislative session. It's our first summer. It's our first fall. And, um, you know, there are always room for improvement. If, if you don't accept that and acknowledge that, you, you're probably not listening and you're certainly not learning. And so um, I always think there's room for improvement. Um, any specifics of that, I mean, you know, I'd have to go back and see exactly what we were trying to do relative to a particular topic. Um, but generally speaking, I think our intent is always to try to keep you guys up, up to date. We want to make sure you guys have the right information um, because it's important that people get the, the right facts. Um, you know, I, I think as we were looking, we had a very late state of the state last year, um, and we knew that we had a lot of things we wanted to accomplish, and we weren't sure exactly the timeline on how that was going to roll out. And so it kind of gave us some, some interesting kind of decision-making challenges on a calendar level. But on the whole, I mean, I, our intent is always to make sure that, that all of that is, is out in, in the right proper order as it is. Are there any of those rollouts that, looking back, you would have done differently? Hmm. Um, I would have done the Christmas card rollout differently. I think. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the I'm what? Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I didn't kidding. even get a Christmas card. Well, you got a Christmas invite, I think. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I, you know... I, I don't have anything specific at this point to think about. I think as I kind of take stock of the year, um, uh, ask me again. Well, I'll, I'll you can start blogging about it. And I also it. think, I mean, just from having conversations with you, there have been instances where you think uh, on the front end, you know, we thought this going into it. On the yeah. back end, you thought maybe we could have done that differently. Yeah. One being the example of <clears throat> when we were at the uh, protest uh, in the Capitol and reporters were told essentially you couldn't cover this. Um, you have to go outside the building and the yeah. protesters were there. I mean, y y you don't know how to handle that on the fly necessarily. Yeah. And, and I think rightfully so. You heard some of the criticism that we had. Um, while knowing that, it, you know, we're kind of doing our jobs, but you know what I mean? Well, and, you know, uh, I think it's the, I, a lot of people will tell me, uh, you know, we have a lot of conversations, everybody's like, man, I can't do your job. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm like, it's actually, we're, we're your advocate too, right? And we want to make sure that you get what you need to do your jobs. You guys have an important job. It's the First Amendment for a reason. And so um, that's an important part of, what I feel my responsibility is as communications director, and also we feel as an administration that you guys do get what you need. Um, and, you know, we, we take that feedback and we, we, we want to make sure that, it, that it's heard and, and accurate. Sometimes we don't listen to it or necessarily don't hear it, you know, the same way that you guys do. But, you know, we always want to make sure that we're hearing you and, and, and taking advantage of what we can do. For the last year, we've been covering the governor at these these public events that he has, and and you know it's kind of a, a largely an extension of what we did on the campaign trail. But um, oftentimes we come back from these events, and there isn't really clarity on where the governor's view is on something. Uh, has that been any you know advice that you've given him? That have you said you know don't get too bogged into the weeds on something, or is this just kind of um, you know, he's still in the learning process right now on a lot of things. I don't think that's, uh, you know, he knows what he wants to communicate. He mm -hmm. knows what he wants to say. He knows what he wants to accomplish. Um, you know, 
we there's just governors have different styles, right? And so and, I think that that's always something that everybody gets used to. But well, I wouldn't say it's I anything was, specific to I was just going to learning say, about it. That is yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, just from my perspective of covering governor former Governor Haslam, he did seem like he was willing to jump in on other topics that I feel like you know uh, the current governor has distanced himself. Like he yeah. he almost never wants to talk about national politics. It seems, and I, I think um, Bill Haslam certainly wasn't a. Fr- I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. that Billy is afraid of it. Oh, he's not. <laughs> I, I just mean he he hasn't gone uh, as far into the national uh, discussion as as Haslam did. On well, the and I I think it's important to know the man, right? Like he's not a he's not somebody that loves politics. Like he kind of got in this to try to help people. And Which I know that sounds Bill Haslam does. I well, think. no, Bill no, uh, Bill Haslam obviously did it too, just right. different styles, but. Um, you know, Bill has Bill Lee is 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 not really a politician. Doesn't want to be a politician, and so from his perspective, a lot of that stuff to him is noise rather than what he's trying to accomplish in the state. And so, um, yeah, like the the issue du jour in Washington isn't his top priority because he's actually really trying to focus on what are we going to be doing in the state? How are we going to affect the budget? How are we going to be making decisions that really impacts the state? And so he doesn't try to kind of insert in as much of that because it's just kind of his style. Sure. Let's let's switch to the state of the state. So yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, you wrote most of the the governor's state of the state this uh, past year? Well, you know, it's a team effort. Team <laughs> effort, okay. So give us uh, give us an idea of how involved the governor is in a process like that. So um, is it like y- you write it or your team writes it and then you guys give him a copy and he marks it up? What, what happens? Yeah, so we kind of... We're actually working on next year's now. Oh, you're already working um, on it? We are working on it, yes. Okay. I'm breaking a little news here on the Grand Divisions podcast. Um, it's going to be a uh, in-depth history of the fall of the Roman Empire, actually. Yeah, that and sounds it's good. It's going to be really riveting television for all. Is that um, making any parallels to now? Or <laughs> no, no, no? And everyone will still clap after every line. <laughs> um, actually, that was a lot of fun last year. We can get into that in a minute. But um you know, we, we kind of know what we, we set forth with what we're going to do in the legislative agenda. We kind of figure out what kind of themes we want to hit on and we build out from there. And so we'll, you know, I've, I've been with him for, you know, two and a half years now, almost three. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I know his voice pretty well. I know kind of what he would want to say on various issues. And so we kind of take a stab at it, but it's, it's him. He decides what he wants to say. And so there will be a lot of times where we'll, we'll get a lot of good feedback and, you know, there are a lot of edits that get made and this is how he wants to say it. This is how he wants to do it. And, you know, over the three years I've learned that too. So I think we, I kind of, we kind of avoid some, you know, unnecessary extra edits because we kind of know what he, how he wants to say stuff. I've talked to other people who have written speeches and, and the, they write it for somebody and then the, the, the politician almost never reads it yeah. or doesn't pay attention. <laughs> Does that happen at all? <laughs> well, I mean, on something like that, where it's... No, it's, I don't mean state of the yeah, state. I mean yeah. in, in other ways. Have oh, you written yeah. notes that he's just like, oh, man, he didn't cover any of this. Yeah, stuff yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, that. that's a new speech. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, but... That's why he's the governor, and I'm, I'm the staffer. And and uh, as far as these two big speeches, what you know, have you had previous experience doing speech writing? Um, yeah, you know, I worked in the Senate uh, in D.C. Um, did did a lot of speech writing there. Uh, you know, you, um, trying to think of other examples. You know, uh, I worked at SCORE and had done some mm. stuff on education reform there. And so, yeah, you just kind of pick it up. And and frankly, you're in this industry. You just kind of have to. You know, you, you're you're a shortstop in a lot of ways, and you kind of have to pick up different skill sets. Because frankly, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. And That's so, good way it's, of it's it. everything. Yeah, so, a utility yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
So you're working on the State of the State speech. Can you give us a preview on what some of the uh, new initiatives did. are going to be? I just no, did, you Natalie. didn't. <laughs> well, what, what's going to happen next year? Um, I mean, I think I think he's you, you've, you're going to see obviously a lot of fo- focus on public education. There's a lot of a lot of need in terms of um, how we continuing to move the ball ahead. We had some. Uh, um, decently good NAEP scores, actually, in a way, if you look at this is Tennessee's highest um, achieving NAEP scores ever. Um, but we have to keep moving ahead on it. And, you know, it's something the governor continues to focus on. So I would I would see a, a continued focus on education. I think, you know, his major issues are going to still be, you know, looked at next year. Very insightful. I well, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not details. certainly not getting ahead of my boss on that one. So, so. you, um, he's, he's still my boss. You, <laughs> you, uh, although we'll call you short timer, I guess for now. <laughs> uh, you have been behind the scenes for a while. Um, we don't often get to view what goes on. Can you give people and listeners kind of uh, you know just the just the, the snapshot of what it's like. Um, either behind the scenes working in government, state government, for the governor, a little bit something that people may not know? Um, You know, I've been getting that question. I'll kind of answer it this way. A lot of people have been asking me, particularly since they know I'm kind of leaving, you know, in the next few weeks, um, what's been your biggest surprise? Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing, you know, you go on the campaign trail, and people kind of have warned us about it when we had actually won, but you go on the campaign trail, you spend two years trying to get everybody to get your attention. We would call you guys regularly and be like, hey, he's going to be here. And you're like, thanks a lot. Good. We'll see it. We'll see you in November. Um, and we that's, that's what we got. That. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, like that's, that's everybody, right? Like right. there's just, you're, you're trying to get everyone's attention. When you win, it flips mm-hmm. and everyone's trying to get your attention. And that, um, that level of volume is so immense, it's really difficult to juggle. Um, so whether it's schedule, whether it's staffing, whether it's every, you know, you, you then have to really figure out a really hard way of prioritizing his time because that's his only, you know, really true precious asset that you have to be most, most cognizant of. And it, there's so many different things that weigh on it. And so that's been, I would say, a, one of the bigger challenges. And even with the heads up from people who've been there before and said, this is going to be your biggest issue, seeing the volume of it in, in real life has actually been quite kind of amazing. You get in the office, you know, at 7 or 30 or 8, you, you have your to-do list. The day overcomes you and it's 5.30 and you got two things done. And those were two things that were added before you had, had started your list. And so that type of, um, that, that type of, of pace is, is, is actually interesting. It's fun. It's, you know, no day is the same. Um, but it certainly um, was, was surprising when you get into it. What can you say about what you're doing next? Uh, obviously, you're returning to the private sector, but uh, are you doing, you know, planning to do yeah. campaigns? Are you yeah. are you going to join uh, a group that will later, uh, you know, work with government in some capacity? Um, probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I've 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 had a few projects that I kind of laid, laid laid on hold joining the campaign. You know, it's actually very interesting. Nobody. Um, a lot of talk in the Democrat presidential primary about campaign finance reform. There's really nobody talking about it from the conservative side. It was kind of a project I was starting to try to get off the ground where there's at least somebody kind of out advocating for the other side of just full disclosure. You know, a lot of money is still in politics, but a lot of it comes into groups that don't have to report, don't have to do other things. And frankly, you've kind of raised the barrier to where, um, you know, self-funders are really the only ones that can run for major office. And so is there a way to kind of peel back the regulation to be where people can maybe donate more, but they have to report it. 
that opens up the door for other people to be able to run because right now it just it's getting to a point where you have to self fund to be competitive and that's 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 not good. Oh come on though that that wasn't necessarily the case with with Governor Lee. I mean you yeah, had, you we had two outspent. people who were trying to buy the election uh, in a sense and and Governor Lee succeeded with he that. He did. We were we were outspent a lot, um, but you know there's there's still some you know personal money in there. Okay. Too. So okay. what would what would a project like that mean or look like? Um, you know, I'm looking at talking to some folks, trying to build a coalition to try to talk about, like, let's argue the other side of this issue. So what, what does it mean to, you know, have full disclosure, but, you know, maybe a higher limit of donations or something. And, you know, that comes with, with political challenges too. I, I'm not naive to that, but, uh, but somebody needs to be making that case because you only hear one side, more regulation, more regulation, more limits. And what that really does is, is kind of limit the ability of people to actually compete and run for congressional office or anything else. This so, is an argument I've heard Glenn Cassidy make a couple of times before. So you might have an ally there. Well, I'll, I'll give him a call. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you should, you should start recruiting there. <laughs> Um, and and why now? Why a year in? Why is it time to go now? Well, it's not a year for me. Like I said, I've almost been with him for okay. three. A year working for for the administration. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a big. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in 2020, and it was something to where you know I wanted to be with the governor, get help him get set up. Well, that's happened now. You know, even when he and I talked, I mean, we're in a much different position we were when we were trying to build an entire administration at this time last year. And so, um, the timing's right for me and my family. And um, and like I said, I'm I'm not going far. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll continue to be around. And I, I, as I tell you, my friends in the media, I, I would anticipate you will still hear from me from time to time. So. Um, as you have a scheduled departure, is there going to be a period where? There's kind of a void in the, in the uh, communications? Uh, possibly, but uh, we're, we're kind of working on it. And, and I have some flexibility. So there's actually a chance that I might stay through state to state all the way just to kind of make sure that, that that's mitigated if there is. So, so we may have to start texting Bill Lee directly. Yeah. Questions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else you want to add, Chris Walker? Well, I have some questions for you. It's time to turn the tables, oh, right? Okay. No, I'm time has run out. Oh, I know. Oh man, the tough questions are coming. <laughs> um, no, it's. Uh, I, I do want to say it's. It's a pleasure to work with you guys. Um, you have a tough job. We have a tough job, but. Uh, um, Educating the public is important, and uh, what you guys do is incredibly important, and it means a lot for you to, you know, continue to work with us on a regular basis. So we appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, thanks for coming on. Yeah. And now it's time for this week's notebook dump. Governor Bill Lee said that a plan put forth by the Department of Human Services to begin spending down the state's massive reserve of temporary assistance for needy families, block grants, uh, may not actually be implemented, that it would be up to the legislature to, quote, confirm whether the state will move forward in that direction. Tennessee executed Lee Hall on Thursday via the electric chair. Hall was convicted of a 1991 slaying of his ex-girlfriend, Tracy Crozier. And the state of Tennessee has set its ballot for the Super Tuesday primary, March 3rd. There will be three Republicans, including Donald Trump, Joe Walsh, and Bill Weld, along with 15 Democratic presidential candidates. Last week... At an event in Nashville, former U.S. ambassador to Japan and U.S. Senate candidate Bill Haggerty answered a question about abortion in which he gave an interesting response. 
He was asked whether there would be any exceptions in the case of abortion that he would consider, and he said, quote, situations like rape and incest and the life of the mother, I think, are ones that I would look at as possible exceptions. Haggerty's response was notable because he is also running against U.S. Senate candidate and Republican candidate Manny Sethi, who has supported the heartbeat abortion ban uh, legislation in Tennessee. A federal judge has ordered the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation to pay more than $46,000 in legal fees to white nationalist group American Renaissance, which had filed suit against the state last year over a contract dispute on the group using state park facilities for their annual conference. The state had wanted the group to have to pay a refundable security uh, deposit in case there were protests or violence or damage done during the events. Uh, The group sued was successful in that, and now the state must award must pay its attorney's fees. That's it for Grand Divisions this week. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are produced by John Garcia and Erica Whitney. You can find us on Twitter at Grand Divisions 3. Please continue to rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. See you next week. Thank you.